All right, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, and Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. By the way, tonight we're not going to get explicit or anything, but uh, I am going to be very pointed and uh, intentional with this topic. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. No doubt we are called to instruct and train our kids. And then Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7 is the other passage here that emphasizes that these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. And then when you look through all of Scripture, you're going to find that many, many times the topic of sexuality is dealt with in terms of lessons, narratives, directives, principles, it is throughout scripture. And as Christian parents, we are to train our children. That's a clear biblical mandate. And the most important area we are to train our children is the area of just simply knowing and following the Lord, knowing who he is, what he said, what he's promised, and what he has commanded. And then second to that, I think, could very well be the topic of sexuality. And we consider our culture today, I think it is incredibly important that we be concerned about what our kids are being taught in the area of sexuality. And I just want to tell you that Southside really does want to help you as parents. This is not a topic that we want to feel like is out of bounds or not appropriate. We believe this is a topic that the church should be discussing and that the church should be equipping you as parents and encouraging you as parents to be dealing with at home. So we want to encourage you to and help you in training your children. Now when it comes to sexuality, we don't want our kids just to have enough knowledge to know what is good and bad or right and wrong. We don't want them to know what they're not supposed to do and know what they are supposed to do. We want them to understand why certain things are good and certain things are not good why they are supposed to do certain things and why they are supposed, not supposed to do other things. We want to instill conviction in their lives. We do not just want to tell them what to do. We want them to know why they are to do it. And that is conviction. We want to instill conviction in them that is based upon reasons to believe what God says, reasons to follow what God says, reasons that come from the Lord and his word. We want to help our kids sense what is right and good and the reasons God has given for those things. Now, when it comes to sex, we should talk about our values and our standards that come from the Lord, but we should also talk about why we value what we value. And so we don't want to just teach our kids what they should know about God, but we should teach them how they should trust him in everyday life everyday circumstances, and why they should choose to follow Christ. And I think we can do that through several different means. One is the formal and informal teaching that should occur in your home. And that is detailed in the Deuteronomy passage. You should have both formal and informal teaching moments in your home where you're sitting down with them, but you're also teaching and instructing when they rise up, when they lie down, when you walk along the way both formal and informal moments of teaching in the home. Secondly, um, we as parents need to be examples in the home. We need to demonstrate honesty 
in our own pursuit of Christ. So not only do we need to be informally, formally teaching, we also need to be keenly aware that our lives are an example. And how we demonstrate healthy biblical sexuality in the home is a teacher to our kids. I can't tell you the number of premarital couples that I've done pre- premarital counseling with whose perspective on sexuality had much to do with what they observed in their parents. How they interacted, how they were affectionate, how they dealt with romance. They, they defined so much of their expectations on the examples, how the parents talked about it, shared about it. So our example is very important. And then the third thing is the teaching in the church, that there needs to be a partnership between the church and the home. We are really aware of that need in our church, particularly in this area. And I hope that you see that and can appreciate that and find partnership in that with us. Um, The most regular and and, uh, frequent and influential means of training your children is what you do in the home as parents. We've got to be faithful to instruct our kids in the home regarding sexuality. We simply cannot afford to leave this to some other means. And as Christian parents, we must not. And there's just far too many places in Scripture that this topic is addressed to think that it could be neglected in the home when we are charged as parents to train our kids in the truth. So for Genesis to Revelation, the Scripture contains lessons, teachings, And there's just far too much at stake to neglect this responsibility in our homes. So let me give you a little encouragement. Uh, There's always this question of when do you teach sexuality in the home? And uh, I I think it begins from the time they're born and it should continue the rest of their lives as long as you're able to instruct them as a parent. And it needs to continue in all the stages of a child's growth. Let me give you the stages as I break them down. There are five stages um, here that I want to actually there's six sorry six stages I want to give you the first one is what I call curious kids and that's the z- birth to five around five years old they're just curious they're just discovering they have parts and uh, they they like to, to to talk about them show them touch them and they're curious kids there's nothing wrong with that but you've got to begin to teach them things about respect and privacy and uh, how God has made them. And so, curious kids, and I'll go into more a little bit about that in a second. Let's just go through the stages. And then the next stage is nosy kids, around 5 to 11. They're not just curious about themselves. They want to know a lot of stuff. So they got all kinds of questions. You don't know how to answer them. And I've found that most parents make the mistake of giving far too much information to a nosy kid. Because a nosy kid just needs an answer they can understand, not all the information they don't know they're asking for. You know, don't freak out a nosy kid by giving him too much information. And uh, so 5 to 11, you got more of just nosiness. They want to know stuff. And then uh, 11 to 13, you got kids on the verge of puberty. And then the next stage is kids becoming young adults, 13 to 17. And then the fifth stage is young adults on the verge of independence, 18 to 21. So curious kids, nosy kids, kids on the verge of puberty, Kids becoming young adults, young adults on the verge of independence, and the last stage is independent adults, 22 and on. I think by 22, if your kid's not independent of you, you got some other issues going on there or something. Um, now, each of these stages requires a parent's intentional interaction and training. 
in the area of sexuality. And I'm not going to take the time to walk through every detail of what you should teach in each of those stages, but I'll give you some general guidelines. And I already began to do that, but let me go through it here in order. Uh, There are two things, basically, you need to teach. You need to teach biology, and you need to teach conviction. Those are the two things. So let me go through biology first. Um, The talk, you know, the dreaded talk. How many of you have begun the talk with your kids or had the talk with your kids? Yeah, it's fun. All right, the talk should begin early with what that child's body parts, a private aspect of those parts. You should teach your children the positive viewpoint of their body. In other words, don't ever teach your, your little ones that are curious that something's wrong with a particular part of their body because it's private. It's not dirty. It's not wrong. It's good. It's how God made them. But teach them how to see that in a biblical fashion. Curious kids, that's that area. And then as you move on in the stages or, or um, maybe circumstance required, you need to discuss the biological difference between boys and girls using age-appropriate descriptions and details, stressing privacy and respectfulness. Let me just make sure that you understand you should not use um, slang terms here. Don't, don't teach your kids just a term that you're comfortable with because it's code. Teach them how to say the words penis and vagina. Teach them what it is. I just said that in church. <laughs> it's okay. Don't freak out about it. My kids are freaking out right now. I tell you. <laughs> so in, that, in, in those areas, you're dealing with nosy kids and kids on the verge of puberty. That's what you need to do with them. Okay, as you move along the stages, you need to, the talk should progress to include issues dealing with puberty, you know, changes in their body, changes in their experiences, changes in their desires, temptations such as pornography, experiences like masturbation, nocturnal emissions. I mean, I keep going on. You get the idea. I don't need to give you an entire biology lesson here. But these are topics they need to hear you talk about. And I recognize these are not topics that we're comfortable addressing with our kids. But they need us to be talking about it. Because if we don't, they're going to get information from other sources, I promise you. And most of that will be misinformation at best. And and contrary to God's word at worst. So they need you to talk about it. So these are kids on the verge of puberty and kids becoming adults. They need to be having these conversations with you. Then your talk should include complete disclosure of sexuality. It should include the what not to do how to keep from doing what you should not to do, why not to do it in light of the truth that God has determined. And uh, talking about relationship boundaries, you need to teach your kids why a fence is a good thing. If you need help doing that, the next time you drive uh, by a, a dog or a cat that's been smashed on the road, just pull over. Go up and pick up that animal and say, don't you think a fence would have been a good thing for this thing? They'll get the whole idea that a fence is a good idea. And then you can begin to tell them God has put fences in your life to protect you. And one of those fences is called marriage. And if you don't stay pure till marriage, you're going to be like this dog, you know. (laughs) No, I don't don't think you should do that. But but you get the idea. You want to help them see that fences are a good thing. See, the Bible tells us that things are wrong for a reason. And we want to make sure our kids know those reasons. 
I'll tell you more on that in just a minute. But that stage applies to the stage of kids on the verge of puberty, kids becoming young adults, and young adults on the verge of independence. They need to be having those conversations. And then someday, God willing, you're going to have the opportunity to help your kid know what to do, how to do it, why to do it within marriage. And that's independent adults. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, a, it's a very healthy experience to be able to be an encourager in your kids' lives when they get married. Because you've been doing this all their life. They need you to be a parent to them. All your life. Now there are plenty of good resources on the details of what you should cover regarding biology. And I'm going to trust you can handle that aspect. I mean if you've got kids you know something about it. So hopefully you can figure that out. But you need to handle it in detail. And let me just give you a couple of resources that you could at least look at. And then if you want more information and resources, you can certainly talk to me. You can talk to Jamie. And you can talk to Christy. And between the three of us, we can certainly help equip you with some resources. Let me just give you two. Uh, a Chicken's Guide to Talking Turkey with Your Kids About Sex. I just like the name of that one. That's by Kevin Lehman and uh, Kathy Flores-Bell. I think that's a good good resource. And then another one is a four-book series, and that's called God's Design for Sex Series, and it has four books. This is what you used, right, Lindley? And uh, this, is, this is really helpful, and so I would encourage you that if you want some help, you could look at those two possible resources. All right. Let me talk to you about the conviction, the whys. So, you're talking to your kids about what to do, what not to do, what's happening with their body, what's happening with their desires, what's sex, and why is it for us from God. So now we're getting into the convictions. Let me just give you a couple examples here. First of all, God created sex, and it's not bad. I'll tell you the hardest thing that I have to undo in premarital counseling is a young woman or a young man who've been taught all their life by well-meaning Christian parents that sex is bad. That sex is wrong. Sex is not bad and sex is not wrong. Believe me. It's good and it's a gift from God. And we are meant to enjoy that. It's not, that's right, amen. Bring it. Um, It's a gift. And as with many gifts, the issue is one of timing. You know, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas if you open your Christmas gifts in July. You open them at Christmas because there's an issue of timing with the gifts. And there is an issue, a, an enormous issue of timing with experiencing the gift of sex as God intends it to be experienced. It's a gift, one that is meant to be opened within marriage. And so that goes back to the whole fence idea how the fence protects us, blesses us, enables us to experience what God created in the way he created it to be experienced. And it's great. You need to teach your kids just how good it is. Now you notice that there is a strategy for me addressing this issue two months ago with us. Because I wanted you to have a couple months to be talking about it as husband and wife. Because if you're not moving forward in this area, it's going to be really hard to convince your kids that it's really great. It doesn't mean that... Sexuality doesn't have its challenges within marriage. 
but it is a gift within the context of marriage to deepen the love and the intimacy relationally that a husband and wife share. And your kids need to know and see the goodness and the blessing of this gift within marriage. Now let me give you a couple of examples of just how God has designed the sexuality experience to be within the confines of marriage. First of all, within the boundaries of marriage, there is incredible security and trust that is experienced in sexuality that is not present when sex is experienced outside of marriage. And you need to help your kids catch the idea of the security and trust that is a natural product of sexuality within the boundaries of marriage. There's an incredible blessing to that. Your kids need to understand that it does not exist outside the parameters of marriage because you're not experiencing as God intends you to experience it. And then the whole concept of desire versus lust, and and certainly this applies to both men and women, maybe even more to some of our our men and boys, but uh, every person has desire And outside the confines of marriage, when that desire is acted upon, it is lustful. And it leads to emptiness. Now what's interesting is, within the confines of marriage, that same desire is present. It's just focused on one, you have the um, God-blessed permission to pursue. And it results in fulfillment and satisfaction. An opportunity to serve and be blessed. It's incredible. That the fence enables the desires that are inherent in each one of us to be a blessing and not a curse. Outside the fence, those desires lead to emptiness. Inside the fence, those desires lead to fulfillment, satisfaction, and service to one another. Another interesting thought, as I think, is is the absence of STDs within marriage. And and this is not a scare tactic. It's just, I think it's very interesting that within the confines of marriage when two people have followed the Lord in purity and they get married and they spend the rest of their lives having sex, they're never at risk for an STD, ever. It's never a threat. Isn't that interesting? It's not like the activity inside the confines of marriage is all that dramatically different than the activity outside the confines of marriage. They're, they're, They're functionally having sex biologically performing the same acts. But you get outside of the fence that God has made and it is literally dangerous. Isn't that interesting? What God has done? Saying, I want to bless you with this gift. But you lose the blessing if you get outside the fence. Stay in the fence. You're blessed. There's a lot of great reasons. And then there's the idea of the joy of walking with the Lord in sexuality. There's no comparison. If, if you walk in sexuality outside of walking with the Lord, there is great emptiness and guilt that is associated with that. And you can avoid that simply by walking with the Lord in sexuality. It's amazing what the Lord has done in providing us incredible reasons that are connected to knowing Him. Your chief Goal as a parent is to train your children to know Christ. Because it's in knowing Christ, the wise of following him in sexuality makes sense. See? They got to know him, and then they see why to follow him. And the why to follow him makes so much sense when you train them exactly how to know him. 
and why it is he's called you to act in a particular way. And God has a reason for what he wants us to do, what he tells us to do, and he wants us to escape the emptiness of sin, the snare of the devil. He wants us to enjoy the fruits of his righteousness, enjoying all he created for us to enjoy and created to be enjoyed. And when I talk to my kids about sexuality, I don't want them just to be good kids. That's not the point. I want them to escape the effects of wickedness and the emptiness of unrighteousness. I want them to enjoy the fruit of holiness and the intimacy of knowing Christ. It's going to be very hard for me to convey that if I am not enjoying the fruit of holiness in my own life. I hope you're pursuing Christ. Because that's one of your most powerful ways you can instruct your kids. To help them see the joy of intimacy with Christ. And how it relates to the joy of intimacy within marriage. There really is an even greater connection between those two elements. If you look what happens in Genesis. Genesis starts off with a relationship between Adam and Eve. A marriage. God establishes sexuality in that relationship. And there without shame. And then the Bible ends with God restoring all things. And you know what the picture is? A wedding. The joining of Jesus Christ and his bride for eternity. Do you see now what we get an opportunity to be a part of? When we teach our kids biblical sexuality, we are teaching them how to proclaim the gospel and make the most of Christ and be Christ-centered even in the most intimate areas of our life. So that when they someday have sex with their spouse, they can know that that experience is one of the most divine experiences they can have with their spouse. One that points to the return of Christ and the perfecting of his bride. It's incredible that God has done that. Absolutely amazing. And our kids need to catch that picture of Christ and how that picture is to be sacred in our hearts for the sake of the gospel being displayed through our marriages. Now Psalm 1, 1 through 6 is a great example of a passage that informs of the what and why. I'm just going to walk through this passage with you and, and give you an example of how you can use Scripture to help your kids know what to do and why to do it. And you can use this kind of model to instruct them in sexuality. Okay, Psalm 1. 1 through 6 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by the waters, which yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You can catch the what's there. Walk in the counsel of the godly, not the wicked. Stand in the path of the righteous, not the sinner. Don't sit in the seat of the scoffer. Delight in the law of the Lord. In his law, meditate day and night. 
if you will pursue the Lord, then the Lord will plant your life just like a tree by a stream of water. And there are incredible things that can happen in you when you walk with the Lord. But when you don't walk with the Lord, the Lord says, this is what's going to happen in your life. And this plays out every single day in this world. We can look around at all kinds of examples and point out things. They did not care about the Lord. They sat in the seat of sinners and look at the things that have happened. And this passage says that the Lord knows the righteous. But the way of the wicked just dies. So see, you tell them what? And you tell them why? And you exemplify that in your own life and in your intimacy with the Lord. You help them catch the conviction. Make sense? There are great reasons to follow the Lord, and He wants us to follow Him and enjoy the fruit of righteousness. And so teach your kids so they don't choose a road that leads to emptiness. Teach them about God's forgiveness, no question. Teach them about restoration and redemption. But do not hide from them the fact that the road of restoration is always more difficult. And that God's heart is that we travel that road as little as possible. That we obey Him and follow Him. And enjoy what He created us to enjoy as He created us to enjoy it. Let me give you a couple other thoughts here. One is, teach your children how to choose their friends. You better be intimately involved with their friends and how they choose their friends and who they're choosing to be their friends. Choosing friends has much to do with your kid's experience of sexuality. So teach them what kind of friends to choose and how to be wise in those choices. Scripture addresses those issues, particularly in Proverbs. And so please instruct your kids in how they choose their friends. And then the second other thought is make a decision about what you're going to do with dating or courting or whatever you want to call it. I mean, some people, we don't date, we just court. Well, Hello, it's a form of dating. I mean, you're getting together and anyway, I don't want to get off on that. Whatever you call it, make a decision on what you're going to do with it. All right? That's a question that needs to be answered long before your kids start wanting to date or whatever it is your kids are going to do. Um, Don't try to figure it out on the fly because you're going to end up compromising and you're indecision will communicate that you don't even know the what, the how, or the why from Scripture. And so I'm not, I'm not going to take the time to address this whole issue. I'm not going to get off on this tangent. But I do want you to recognize you have to make a decision before they get there how this is going to play out in your home. You need to stick with it biblically. And you need to make, make sure that whatever decisions you've made can be supported clearly and easily from the Scripture. So when your kids say, well, why... You can say, here's why. So that they know it's not just some fabricated design that you have in place to protect them. The only protection that we can legitimately offer our kids is an opportunity to be right in the middle of God's will. So whatever you plan for them to walk in, make sure it's rooted in this book. And then they'll walk in the center of God's will whether you call it this or call it that or whatever. Make sure it's rooted in, in, this, in this book. All right? If you need help with that, please don't hesitate to ask. I am a proponent 
of um, biblical dating or courtship, whatever you want to call it. I can certainly explain that if you have questions about that and uh, tell you kind of what we are doing at some point if you'd like to hear that. But you can figure it out. You can look in here, derive principles from this book and begin to, to filter through how you want to deal with that in your own home. But I'll certainly be happy to help if you need it. So old Jamie. In fact, Jamie will help a lot more than I will. Just ask him. That would be a good idea. All right. Uh, now let me deal with this last subject here, how to teach your kids. Okay, we, we've talked about what you're going to teach them, when you're going to teach them. Now I'm going to tell you how to teach them. This is real simple, all right? You need to just talk to them more than you feel comfortable with talking. So when you, when you start talking and you're like uncomfortable with about, about how much you're talking to them about this, then you're probably right on target. And I know I've implied this as I've worked through this, but I just want to state it clearly. The talk should not be a one-time occurrence. You don't sit down with your kid when they hit puberty and tell them all this stuff that shocks them and freaks them out, and they're looking at mom and dad like, they are so gross. You know, and, and they never talk about it again. And they get married and say, remember back when, boy? Told you all it was about. Good luck tonight. You know, you don't want to do that. That's, that's, that's brain dead. So you need to have these conversations with them for all their teen years until they get married. And then when they're married, it's my suggestion that you check in with them through the years just to make sure they're still honoring the Lord. I mean, can you imagine when your kid is, is 45 and, and they don't even think you're able to have sex anymore, you know, because you're decrepit and old, but you're like, hey, you don't know what it's like when I'm 65, baby, you know? <laughs> And you call them up and you say, son, daughter, whatever, and you say, hey, I just want to make sure that you're still honoring the Lord in your sexuality. How are things going there? Are you healthy? Are you connecting with your spouse? I mean, can you imagine the richness of that kind of relationship? I can imagine it, and I long for it, because I want to parent my kids till the day I die to follow Jesus Christ. And this is an area where the church needs to be following Jesus Christ. Um, you need to have a lot of conversations with your kids through the years. And you need to have more conversations than you do lectures. I've, I've discovered that sexuality, the topic of sexuality doesn't really go all that well in lecture form. It's, it's a lot better in conversation. But you have to have enough lecture-type talks to get to where it's comfortable for your kids to have conversations. So work towards having conversations where they will come and be able to talk to you about things. I'm sure they're going to still need prompting along the way because it's a difficult subject. But work towards having conversations. And then never assume that, that, that your job is done. Just keep on talking, asking questions. Ask questions all the time. And then listen to what they say. Listen to what they do. Listen to how they act. Listen to what they don't say. You be a listener. Pay attention to your kids. Because I guarantee you they're thinking about this. They're dealing with it at a level that most of us did not have to deal with at their age. So hopefully you get the picture. You need to be doing this a lot. How do you do it? You just jump in and you talk. And I think you need to be more concerned with 
having not done it enough than you are with having done it incorrectly. I don't know how to talk to him about it. I'm afraid I'll mess up. I'm afraid I'll say the wrong thing. Who cares? They're not going to know if you're wrong, at least not at this stage. Make mistakes. Figure it out. Keep going forward. Just keep trying. Keep working on it. Keep talking. Err on the side of talking about it far more than what you think would be comfortable. And you're probably right in the ballpark. Instruct in humility. Be an example. Hold high the standard of Christ for Christ's sake and for your kids' sake. Plea and warn and encourage and love and engage with them again and again and again. That's how you teach. I just want to encourage you one more time. There's nobody more influential than parents. And I just want you to use your influence and engage with your kids in discussions, teaching them how to honor the Lord and why to honor the Lord in this critical area of life. That's the biblical thing to do. I had this question going over my mind as I was preparing this, and the question was, do you, do, how many of you tonight wish that your parents had done better with you? I mean, I am totally on board with that thought. I mean, let's see a show of hands. How many of you wish, ma'am, I, I wish my parents had done better? All right. I don't, I don't want my kids to get to be my age and say, in this area, I wish mom and dad had helped me more with it. I want them to get to my age in this area and say, I can't believe all that my mom and dad did in the area of sexuality. So fortunate to know what a biblical perspective is. So it's my contention we ought to just do better than our parents did because I promise you that is exactly what our parents would want. I I promise you not a parent in this place, not one of your parents would say, well, I just hope they don't do as good as I did. Every one of your parents is going to say, I want them to do better. So let's do better. Honor the Lord and train your kids to know Christ, especially in the area of sexuality. If you have kids in the youth, starting on June 1st, they're going to do a series on the truth about sex. And this is no... um, subtle series. And I want you to get a taste of this. So we're going to show the trailer and... and, uh, There's a couple reasons we're doing this. One is, I want you to get the clear understanding that we are committed to helping you in this. The other reason I'm showing you this is because as parents, you need to know what's coming in the youth group. And I've I've personally viewed all the video training material. And I'm very excited that our youth are going to be going through this. I think it's fantastic. But it requires you to be intimately involved with them in discussion. Now, we, we're going to try to give you some talking points along the way so you can kind of have an idea of what they're doing. and uh, the, the different 
sessions they're going to talk about the truth about sex. Session two is the difference between guys and girls. Session three is boundaries, and session four is on forgiveness. And Jamie's going to do his best to provide you as parents of youth some talking points so that you can actually engage with your kids in discussion and conversation in the week after their experience in the youth. Um, Anyway, let's take a look at the trailer so you can get a picture of what they're going to be experiencing. And uh, I think you'll feel the urgency to begin having these conversations. Let's see it. We came to the point where we had a lot of alone time. And what I regret now is having sex with him. I didn't think that I could get her pregnant. I didn't, I didn't think of any of those consequences. I just thought of the momentary pleasure that I was getting from it. it it's a blow to your self-esteem to be walking down the street and have a guy walk up to you and be like, I know who you are. Like, no girl wants to be known as the high school slut. It started to affect who I was. I could no longer, you know, just see a girl walking on the street without immediately thinking of sex and porn and what it would be like to have sex with her and wishing that I could have sex with her. I can't tell my parents. I can't tell the people at church. I can't face people at school. Like, everyone is going to be disappointed in me. Everyone's going to judge me, and I'm just going to, like, I'm going to have to go to another country. I ended up having to go home with my tear-stained face and my mom asking me what happened. I, I justified it in my mind because I was like, well, I love her, I think. I felt dirty every single time. I knew what God had for me, and I, and I knew that I'm not supposed to be having sex before marriage. Well, it's real easy to tell that we live in a totally sex-saturated society. Today, sex is it's glorified, and in its glorification, you see it, you just see it everywhere. And there are some harmful messages and some actually inaccurate messages that lead people to make stupid decisions for their life. And these bad decisions can result in people carrying around deep wounds and hurts and painful memories. But there's some great news for you about sex, is that God created sex to be good, to be great, to be wonderful, to be in the context of marriage. And that was God's design. Hi, I'm Brian Mosley, president of Bluefish TV. I know that the topic of sex can be challenging to address with your students. My daughter just finished kindergarten, and one of the boys in her class spent a week telling her that she was sexy. My wife and I were speechless, and we didn't think that we'd be dancing on the topic of sex at such a young age. And if my kindergartner's facing it, then I know your junior high and senior high students are too. And because of the sensitive nature of this topic, we've asked veteran youth leader Doug Fields to work with us. Doug does a great job talking candidly about God's design for sex. I would suggest you contact the parents of your students so that they know you're tackling this topic. In the Leader's Guide, we've included a sample letter that you may want to send out to all the parents. When our Bluefish TV team sets out to create any resource, we have three objectives. First, we want it to be biblical. What does Scripture say about this topic? And second, we want it to be real, to be authentic. And third, we want the resources to be engaging. The graphics, the music, the funny parodies, the pacing, it's all designed to grab a student's attention. But the ultimate goal for our resources is to help bring transformation. We pray that students will be confronted with biblical truth and that God will transform their lives. As a nonprofit ministry, our passion at Bluefish TV is to create video resources to help you teach. I hope you enjoy The Truth About Sex featuring Doug Fields.
I just want to encourage you, don't wait until the series starts on June 1st to start talking about this if you have youth age child. If you're a parent and you have concerns about this, you, you want to talk more about what's going to be happening, please know that you can talk to me or you can talk to Jamie. I have viewed all the material, and uh, Jamie is certainly more aware of all the material than I am, and uh, we, we can help inform you. We, we have chosen to do this because we are committed to helping you. We believe that you are the most influential person in your kid's life as parents. And we're hoping that you will press forward and obey the Lord and train your kids, especially in the area of sexuality.